And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this Friday. We thank you for carrying us through another week. Father God, I pray that you continue to strengthen my cousin Carl for the burial of his mother a few days ago. Strengthen my mother, who was her best friend, and um, all those who had been touched by Margaret George's life. I thank you for those who prayed and interceded on her behalf during her time of of illness. But Father God, she's healed now. She's whole. So I thank you. Father God, she was at peace with the Lord. And so we glorify you and we thank you right now. May this teaching, oh God, elevate the minds, open up spiritual truths, oh God, shatter um, traditions and religious um, strongholds of the mind. Father God, in the name of Jesus and Father God, we pray, oh God, and we thank you for the manservant, John Eckhart, um, the general of this generation. Um, helping us to learn more about apostolic ministry and about the apostles and prophets and so on and so forth. And so we glorify you right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, I know it's been a minute since I've talked about this. Um, so I'm going to piggyback a little bit. We're still still in chapter still in chapter 8, trying to close it out. It's pretty long, pretty lengthy. But when the church becomes apostolic, it will see breakthroughs that were not possible before and so there would be an, an ability to do things that previously could not be done um, this is because of apostolic grace that is released and received through apostolic ministry plus I'm going to add to what the man of God says is that you also see full operation of the governmental gifts or the fivefold ministry or the ascension gifts they all mean the same out of Ephesians 4 and 11 when you see them all operating together now, I said this before, it doesn't mean that you have to have five individual people to represent each gift. The apostle itself, um, the true ones, um, can prophesy, they can evangelize, they can pastor, they can shepherd, and they can teach. Okay, They're, they're the thumb, so they should be able to touch all. Um, so you may have three, and other ones may have a strong... Um, subclass or sub gift um past some a lot of pastors have a strong teaching so you got pastor teacher okay um those who have large ministries huge large ministries they probably have a, a very strong evangelistic gift that brings them that brings people in or draws people in but by the evangelist being the middle what comes after the pastor and the teacher and so you see how they kind of, they all connect going, going from my right to left on your hand. So, um, so it comes to add value, apostolic ministry from those that could be transitioning from traditional to apostolic ministry. It will bring value. It will bring value to the ministry. It is not to take away from the ministry, but it's to add, actually when it adds more spiritual truth all by itself. It's going to bring value to the ministry. Okay, and it's going to bring value that goes beyond the four walls of the pastor's vision. <laughs> Amen. It's going, to, it's going to go beyond that. Glory be to God. So, so how do we get, how do we obtain apostolic grace in our ministries? And so Paul wrote, just as, just as it is right for me to think, think, to think this 
of you all tongue-tied this morning because I have in, in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace, of grace. Philippians 1 and 7. So there are two ways local churches can access apostolic grace. Um, the first and primary way is to have an apostle as the senior elder or pastor of the local church. Apostles can pastor because there is a shepherding dimension to the apostolic anointing. Okay? So when the senior elder is an apostle, there will be a consistent flow of the apostolic anointing that will cause a strong apostolic dimension to be present in the local church. Hmm. We talked yesterday in school about how ministries want to have the apostolic they want to be they want to be called apostolic or have an apostolic ministry presence but deny that the prophets and the apostles are current in today how can that be and i believe a lot of it is because of lack of understanding i think a lot of it is um a closed mind to the traditional um uh, what word am I using? Uh, interpretation, that's it. Of the word of God. And because of um, culturally, we've been, um, our minds have been set that this is it and that's all. And without even seeking the Holy Spirit for more revelation about what is what is taking place. Okay? So there's two ways. One is having... Where the, where the apostle is the senior pastor of the local assembly because the that anointing would continuously flow, the apostolic anointing. So this is released through preaching, teaching, prophesying over all ministries. Prophesying over all ministry of the apostle. Okay, because that's what they should be able to do. They should be able to preach, teach, prophesy. Okay, now. However, not all pastors are apostles. Okay. Just like all pastors are not prophets. All prophets are not pastors. Okay. So nor is it necessary to be an apostle to pastor a local church. Although not all pastors are apostles, all pastors need the apostolic dimension to operate effectively in their ministries and local churches. So therefore, the second way for a local church to access apostolic grace is what? Is to be in relationship with an apostle. Being in relationship doesn't mean the apostle has to be your overseer. Hear me clearly. Okay? Doesn't mean that you should have to join some form of organization. I talked about this yesterday. <laughs> Kingdom, Reno Kingdom Renovators is an organism. Organisms are alive and they breathe. Amen? Organisms are... You, you put an organism underneath the microscope. Okay? And it's, it's breathing. It's alive. So when ministries are, well, this is an organization that I have. Now you're dealing with man's structure and heart and hierarchies and all these other things. So we don't, no, that's not what kingdom, we're not an organization. We're, we're a living organism of Jesus Christ. Amen. Kingdom, kingdom focus. Glory be to God. So, um, so through this relationship, the, the, the apostolic anointing can flow into the local church, releasing the apostolic dimension. Now, for instance, if. Um, say for instance, um, uh, to be in relationship with someone with the apostolic anointing, um, 
And then there's you, you team together, you work together, glory be to God. And so maybe from time to time, the apostle will come in and he would teach or he would minister or things like that. And, and within the relationship itself between the pastor and the apostle, there's going to be um, exchanges of truth. Glory be to God. Um, there's going to be some gleaning, some learning. It could be some impartation. Glory be to God. So we're not saying that, that you know, once again, every pastor is not an apostle. Glory be to God. But to be connected with someone so you can have that apostolic ministry flow in your ministry is critical. It's critical. Um, yeah. <laughs> So this does not mean an apostolic dimension will come into a local church just because some in the church know an apostle. It doesn't work that way. Okay? There must be a strategy. There must be a course of action that results in accessing the grace that rests upon the apostolic office. So this includes, this can include fellowship, conferences, and other means to draw from the anointed of the apostles with whom pastors are in covenant with. should be a covenant relationship. Okay, in agreement, working together, fellowshipping together, um, really like being being one, like being one in ministry, you know, together, like mindedness, things of that nature, um, where you're leaning on each other. And who's to say that if if the apostle has has his or her own ministry or whatever, he may call on the pastor because the pastor is probably gifted in in something um, specialized for the body of Christ. And so you can lean on each other, and that's what. That's really what kingdom is about. <laughs> we talk kingdom, but we really don't understand and process what kingdom is. Kingdom, the, um, the kingdom of God, which I'm going to minister on Sunday. But talking about fellowshipping with one another, reaching out to other parts of the body, glory be to God, and, 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 and advancing God's kingdom. You know, it's not about, well, this is what we're doing over here, and this is what we're doing over there, but what are we doing together? What are we doing together? Are we doing anything together? There's, uh, I said this yesterday um, in class, but there's, in Inman, South Carolina, there's same denomination, three pastors, I believe within two blocks, what my friend told me. Do you not know they don't talk to each other? They don't fellowship with each other. Same denomination. Three churches within two blocks, and they don't even know each other. Won't even spend time with each other. That's religion. That makes no sense whatsoever. None. Because what does that say? We're only concerned about what's in these four walls. You want to be a faithful pastor within four walls. Well, congratulations. Enjoy. Stifle the people. Stifle the people. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. So there must be strategies. There has to be things implemented. Glory be to God to to um to come and advance the the believers. Glory be to God. Um, say for instance, there's there's a powerful woman of God who's a prophetess that I'm having come and minister minister to us next month. Um. To push us to to do whatever the Lord tells her to do and speak to this to this body of Christ, things that we can lean on. Uh, my brother James, who's watching Jay, you know, there's some things him and I connect. So there's some things we're doing, 
you know, and, and just doing, matter of fact, we're doing man talking in, in September. Glory be to God. And so, you you know, we need each other. And once we tap into each other's gifts and know what each other's gifts are, okay, now what can we do to advance this, this region, this city, this, this territory that we're in? That's where our mindset should be. It doesn't matter what what local fellowship that we belong to. That's that's that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. But all these differences that we have, and we separate ourselves, we're not advancing the kingdom of God. We're 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 so caught up into promoting our denomination. Glory be to God. And what about God's kingdom? Why are we trying to prove what denomination is right or wrong? And that's how the devil is just having his way because we're we're so entangled with men's interpretation of scripture. And we're not making disciples. We're not we're not equipping, we're not training, we're not sending forth. No, we're sitting here trying to prove what's right. We have a nice organizational structure. I saw something the other day that just blew my mind in the church because the overseer they call the, um, I guess in history since the ministry began the the overseer of the bishop's nickname is Sweet Daddy and I found it interesting not only Sweet Daddy but in the service that I heard they exalted God they exalted Jesus I'm expecting them to exalt the Holy Spirit. They exalted the bishop. Yeah. They exalted man. And if I had told you how the pulpit was structured, yeah. Yeah. Like you're worshiping a king. So we got to be careful. We got to be careful. Because we get so comfortable in our surroundings that we miss the total message of what Jesus wanted us to do. All right, I'm going to talk about Cornelius Connections now. Cornelius Connections. We're still, I'm still talking under the subject of um, accessing apostolic grace. Okay, but we're, now we're going to move into, we talked about the connections, about the apostles, about how churches, in order to have an apostolic ministry of grace, um, either apostles should be, um, the senior pastor, um, so that dimension of apostolic grace can continue to flow, or the pastor of the local of the local assembly has a covenant relationship with an apostle. Doesn't mean that, like I said before, doesn't mean that apostle has to be their overseer, has to be their spiritual father. But I'm just talking like brother to brother, sister brother, however the case is. We're fellowshipping with each other. I can lean on you, you know. And here's here's one thing. How about inviting someone that you know, inviting, like, that's like me saying, I'm talking to my, 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 my boy Jay here. I said, Jay, man, I want you to come to our service and, and I want your honest opinion. So I don't want him to come just to be an onlooker, but I want him to come, you know, fellowship with us. But at the end, I want some feedback because as, as a leader, as a shepherd, it's hard. Sometimes we don't put ourselves in a position in the pew. We're always looking from. Um, from one one perspective, and sometimes we need that other perspective to see and to hear, because believe it or not, we don't know everything. <laughs> we don't know everything. Glory be to God. And so we need other other people's um, spiritual 
um, wisdom. How about that? Wisdom, spiritual discernment. Because you should want your you should want your ministry that God has given you to flourish, to flourish 100% to its max. Um, even in our prayer this morning, prayer was that that our ministry is 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 relevant and it's effective. It's relevant and it's effective. So I'm gonna ask you: Are the ministry is the ministry that you're in now? Is it relevant and is it effective? And you don't have to respond back on that one. That's just personal. Um, forgot what kind of question that is, but um, it's that question that you don't don't need a response back. Just think about it. <laughs> so the Cornelius connection in Acts 10 of Cornelius' prayers and alms coming up as a memorial before God. The Lord sent an angel to Cornelius to give him instructions to contact an apostle, to contact Apostle Peter, who in turn would give him the word of salvation. The two things that opened the way for Cornelius to, to connect with Peter were prayer and giving. All right, so Cornelius access. Cornelius accessed the grace upon Peter's life through his prayer and giving. Therefore, prayer and giving are good strategies to access apostolic grace. So as local churches pray for such divine connections, the Lord will supernaturally bring these relationships into manifestation. Do not go out and grab the first person who calls himself an apostle. Pray for Cornelius connections. I want to stop right there. I got to put a pin there. In my uh, few years, I would say within the past five years, there's been people who have come to me, ministries come to me and said that the Lord said that you know, you are my apostle, so on and so forth, whatever. And so, you you know, you pray about it, you say, okay, whatever. And I'm not trying to downplay it or whatever. But you go through, and then as you try to give um, godly wisdom and insight and things like that, the next minute, whatever God said disappeared. Whatever God said that, that you were this to them or whatever, now it's disappeared. Now they changed their mind. Now they don't hop to someone else. So what happened? Was it a feel-good moment? Did you believe <laughs> what you was hearing? So just be careful when people say, well, I heard the Lord say this, that you are this to us and that to us. Just be Just be careful. Not that my feelings are hurt, but those those were good examples for, for God to teach me. For God to teach me. Amen. Um, people naming and claiming, people bouncing around because really what they're looking at, they're looking at, at ways. How, how about this? How about their motives weren't right to begin with? How about their motives weren't right to begin with? The heart is deceitful. Amen. So you know you can't trust your heart. Your heart is deceitful. Um, just like we can get caught up in, in our emotions doing a service and then they have an altar call who wants to be a part of this ministry and you jump up and you go to the altar, but you didn't even seek God first to see if that's where he wants you to be. You had a few goosebumps and you felt good and everything else, the choir, the choir stimulated your soul and everything. And now you running up here and you ain't even consult God first. To see, Father, is this the place you want me to place my soul under the watch of this leadership? It's very, very important. It's very, very important that you just don't place your soul underneath just anybody to watch over. Okay? I don't care 
If you, you don't care if you grew up there. I don't care if if your grandmother cooked chicken. I don't, I don't, I don't care. We got to stop with this false sense of loyalty and find out, Father, where do I need to be? Okay. We're looking, we're asking the wrong questions when it comes down, when it comes down to where should I be? And I taught this to, to the KMI students last uh, two weeks ago, that there's certain things you need to ask. Maybe I'll post them and then you guys can see, but we're asking the wrong questions about what many what are you looking for in the ministry you should be asking god who who do you who do i need to connect with where do you want me to go so let me get off that bandwagon okay all right so once once a continuous connection has been established, releasing finances through giving is one way to access the grace necessary to re, to receive the apostolic giving. I mean apostolic dimension. And I know maybe you don't believe that money has anything to do with it, but it's a it does have to do with giving. Okay, giving. Glory be to God. Everybody should give. Everybody should sow. Amen. Sow into um, your spiritual fathers or mothers or whatever the case is. But you should sow. How? Just period. How can you expect a harvest and you don't sow? But I'm going to tell you this. If you don't sow, I'm going to tell you your harvest. Your harvest is what you sow, which is nothing. Okay? So, you know, we can talk about Matthew and giving the tithe and all this other stuff. We, we That's what you want to do. That's fine. But I'm telling you, if you don't sow, you sow little, you reap little. Okay, you're expecting a harvest, but you you're not even showing God that you're willing to sow. But you're expecting something great. That's like you going to school and just because you got perfect attendance, but you didn't do the homework, but you want to get an A in the class. Come on now. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on. Okay, grace is an ability. Of God to do what ordinary, to do what ordinarily could not be done. So from the upper room came 120 people who would turn the world upside down. So how did this small group of unknowns gain such momentum and accomplish the impossible? The answer, of course, is through grace. They were recipients of the great grace. Great here is the Greek word megas, uh, from which we derive the word or use the prefix mega meaning very large in size or proportion. The apostles had mega grace. They had mega grace on it. And that's why he had to, if you think about it, he had to wait. He had to wait. I don't even want you to go out and do ministry yet. I just need you to wait because I'm sending someone <laughs> that's going to empower you so you can be released and do what you need to do. Okay? We have to be careful. We have to be mindful that just because you've done something in ministry two years ago, three years ago, does that mean that you should be doing it now if God did not give you the grace to do it? I'm not talking about the grace of unmerited favor, things of that. I'm talking about the grace that enables you to do what God has called for you to do. So what is the grace on your life to do what? And you have to know and understand that when does this grace disappear? When does this grace run out? So God may call you to pastor for a season. 
I strongly believe there's pastors out there, they're pastoring and the grace has left them. There's no signs, wonders, and miracles. There's no healing. There's, 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 there's no manifestation of, of, of much of anything. See, grace will, will empower you to go forth when you don't even feel like it. And as soon as you get started, all of a sudden you realize your strength has come on. That's grace. That's that enabling power for you to do what God has called for you to do. Knowing that your body could be physically tired, you could be mentally tired. But as soon as you begin to talk about the word of God, everything begins to supernaturally just, just it, it'll knock that weakness out. And now you can move and, and do the things according to the will of God by his grace. Okay. So you, we have to understand when, when, when grace is up in a certain thing in our lives, because sometimes you can try to, you can try to go back and try to pick something up, but it's not there. It's not there. And sometimes God would give us something and we started it, but we, we aborted what he, he, we aborted the assignment. And before you know it, somebody, he's given it to somebody else to pick it up and take care of it because we didn't take care of the assignment he gave us. Okay. So don't be upset. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Don't be spiteful. If you see somebody else doing what God originally gave you to do. Okay. That's on you. That's on you. All right. So the apostolic anointing releases large amounts of grace to the church. And there is such a release until no gift is lacking or falls short. So in the church, so you, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 1, um, chapter 1, 4 through 7 for this. So churches under this anointing will also be enriched in all utterances and all knowledge. And so when this apostolic anointing, matter of fact, just think about apostolic ministry, period. Everybody's gifts should be maturing, should be cultivated, should be birthed, glory be God, should be present. Hallelujah. Glory be God. And, and, and so it's just not coming from those sitting in the pulpit or designated seats in the front row. Okay, what about the other people? What about the other people in the pews? They got dreams. They have visions. They have assignments. Religion won't tap into that. Traditions of men won't tap into that. Kingdom-minded ministries, kingdom and apostolic ministry, prayerfully, prayerfully. I don't I even want to be careful with that. Because we got some haughty people that are in apostolic ministries. You know, who think they're all that, so on and so forth. And yet they're doing, they're doing deceitful things and, and wickedness and all these other things behind the scenes. But I'm talking about a, a true, a true apostolic ministry. It's trying to activate everybody in the in the ministry. Cultivating. Seeing seeing you. I see my brother John on here. That I can see John and say he became a part of the ministry. And I'm looking at him in the natural, but I'm trying to see beyond that. I'm trying to see what God sees in him and what God has placed in him so I can begin to try to cultivate that. Because he has work to do. Hallelujah. So is your leader cultivating your gifts? Is your leader equipping you, training you, 
preparing for you to be sent forth, sent out to do work for the kingdom? Or is it all about their vision? It's all about their vision and what goes on in the four walls of that church. Are you asking, I'm about to get in trouble here, which is normal. Are you asking your leader for permission to do what God told you to do? Mm, mm, mm. You know God has spoke to you to do this or to do that. And you're going to ask your pastor for permission to do what God's called for you to do. Now, if your pastor or leader has been praying for you, leading you and guiding you, then they should know the gift that's already on you. So that even when you come to talk to them about it or mention it, they say, oh yeah, I already know, I saw it on you. That's how it should go. That's how it should go. Or it should be, and or it should be. Yeah, I saw this on you. Let me let me let me get you some things to help train you and prepare you for, for what God has for you. See, religion and traditions of men are worried about the numbers and keeping you inside, keeping as many, gathering any gathering as many to stay inside to help really for the financial gain of what needed was what needed to take care of the house. Kingdom minded ministries. Are normally small because they're constantly training and sending out, train, send for, train, send out, train, send out. So there'd probably be a nice nucleus of a core. But you're training, equipping, sending, training, equipping, sending. All right. Okay. So God's mega grace gives the church all the gifts and abilities it needs to fulfill the Great Commission. So without this grace, the church would not be able to finish the work. Lack of grace means certain failures. For this reason, the principal anointing of the church must be apostolic. An apostolic company of believers will be gifted in grace to do mighty exploits. Okay, And this will cause them to excel in ministry and break the chains of mediocrity. All right, The church cannot settle. Hear me. The church cannot settle for being average. Can't settle for being average. Our commission is not an average commission. Apostles and apostolic people are graced with a multitude of, of abilities. One thing about being in an apostolic ministry, one thing about being in an apostolic ministry is that there, um, you should be birthed of things that you have no idea was resting in you. Because the prophetic mantle that's in the house, because of the, because of the, um, Mm-mm-mm. Because of the grace, because of the equipping, because of the training, that you should really feel uncomfortable. Because you should be getting pulled and you should be getting stretched beyond what you think your comfortability is. 
Because when you're comfortable, this is the way I like to do things. This is how I am. Uh, this is how I've always done it. No, I, I'm, I'm comfortable being an administrator. I was an administrator at the last church for 15 years. And before that, you know, I was an administrator for a company for six years. Da, da, da. But God, what if God is calling you? What if God has more gifts on top of that administration gift? I have a gift of administration. can't be satisfied with that. <laughs> no more. That's right. The church has to stop settling. And we need apostolic people. We need, we need apostles, apostolic people. We need the prophets. We need everybody. I'm going to get to that too. We need everybody on their posts. We need everybody on their posts. To pull and to minister. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It talks about um, those who are against prophecy and prophesying. It, in chapter 5, it says, don't despise prophesying. Prophecies, don't despise them. That's what Paul was telling the Thessalonians. But that's what we do today. We despise them. Many denominational people despise. But they don't have an understanding. But yet still, the churches, the churches seem like they're thriving based upon the denominational culture and things like that. They have a beautiful edifice or a building. They have a beautiful, they have a beautiful thing. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's nice. They have, you know, they have a kitchen. And they got, they got the fellowship hall. They have all these other things. And but what else is happening? That's right. That's right. DLC. That's right. That's exactly right. Because the church has become average, society and the world reflects something God never intended for it to reflect. Right. And also the world has not even seen the fullness of what the church can be because we're we're so locked in the traditions of men and, and the religious habits that we do, that we've been taught and, and, and I'm going to say pretty much brainwashed throughout years and years. Well, this is how church is. We're already we've been so conditioned that church starts that church is two hours. We have a lot of ministries where church is an hour and a half and it's on a timer. It's a production. We're placing the deity of God in a production of service. And as they're worshiping, they're looking at the clock because you have to be done by this time. How you doing, prophetess? I was just talking about you earlier. Um, the man or woman of God who has to preach. You got so much time to minister this word because we got a next service coming in. Where's the new revelation that God has constantly throughout, throughout the years? It's just been opening up more and more revelation about his body, the church. But we're constantly trying to buck heads about who's right and who's wrong. Bless you. And we're not operating in the fullness of who God is. So we got people sitting in the pews being faithful because they come every Sunday. They may be on this auxiliary. They may be on this choir. So, But is, is that the fullness of their giftings? And I don't know if you haven't heard this, and I don't know if you heard this or not, but they said the richest place is in a cemetery. 
Because there are people that we're burying every day who did not maximize or manifest what God has put in them before the foundations of the world, of the, of the earth, of the world. Okay? There are gifts and talents, and there's doctors, there's lawyers, there's physicians, there's, there's teachers, there's, there's policemen, there's five, whoever, but it's for the kingdom, have not been released. They're buried in the ground. They were never cultivated. Never cultivated. Whatever you got. Our ministry, we don't have a clock. <laughs> no clock. We want the now of God. What is God saying right now? Our worship is not even the same. I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm just... Our... our our worship is not the same from week to week. This times we may not minister a word because the prophetic word has spoken enough. God has spoken plenty. Don't need to bring a word when the word has already been presented. We just want to move in the now of God. We labor with people who are hurting, who needs a word, need deliverance, need encouragement, need to be set free can't put a time on that we had one service that lasted five hours God will that's that grace that will enable you to minister glory be to God without you looking at the clock but we give the man 40 hours 45 50 we can get some overtime but we want to put God on a timer because we've been conditioned that church is two hours. Are you one of the ones that when you get invited to a service, the first thing you ask is how long is service? Many of us have already checked out on our way there. We So that we can go to work and say, oh yeah, I went to church yesterday. It was good. Choir was sung great. Good word from the pastor. I don't can't remember anything. So churches are average. We have a lot of ministries that are just average. Average. But they don't know that they're average. They're average. They're average. And we're the strange ones. I believe God loves the... Um, God loves the... Um, the black sheep. <laughs> uh, he loves the troublemakers he loves those that's been just way out because if if, if they were radical in the world well, they'll be radical for him hallelujah alright alright so where am I uh, okay here we go so apostles and apostolic people are grace with multiple with with a multitude of abilities to have ability means that no one has has the necessary power skill or resources. Oh, excuse me, I said that wrong. To 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 have ability means that one has the necessary power skills or resources. It means to be well fitted, equipped, competent, endowed, and empowered. The church must become staffed with competent and qualified people, grace for the task. Okay, everybody is important. 
We should see as leaders, we should see that everybody is important. We just need to know what your gift is or gifts. Sometimes what can happen is say say you have say you have a, a church administrator. She's been there for a long time, whatever. But who's 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 training? Who who's the next in line? Who's training the next person? Because who's to say that that administrator of the church is always going to be there? The secretary of the church is always going to be there. You know, tomorrow's not promised. Tonight's not even promised. So who's to say? So then when that when that person who's been filled, who's filled this position for so long in the church and won't move, don't want to train nobody, don't want to show somebody else what else to do, don't want no help, because this is my position and I've been here and I've seen three pastors, you know, come and go and, you know, they give their history or their resume or whatever the case is. But who's next in line? Who's being trained? Who's being groomed? So what happens if if he or she is sick? Because I don't want to genderize this. So who's to say if he or she is sick? Does that mean the church can't move forward because sister or brother Applehead is not here? And they know the passcode. They know the password to the computer. They know where all the files are. And nobody else knows. That's crazy. The pastor don't even know. Makes no sense. So everybody in the ministry should be should be qualified people, grace to do a task in which God has called them to. All right. The frustration that many churches now experience will then be broken. Mega Grace will release singers, musicians, finances, helps, property, uh, ministries, and everything necessary to get the job done. All these 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 little um, things that I just read to you, all these things are sitting right there in your ministry. But do we do we have the competency as as leaders to recognize and to tap in to what's there, or are we or are we only concerned with meeting the budget every week and every month? And we have those who are in our quote unquote in our cabinet, um, those that are close to the pastor, close to to leadership. Um, who do the bulk of the work? What about everybody else? When you're going to tap into everybody else. Okay. Everybody has a dream. God puts something in all of us. Some type of gifting. Some type of calling. And we'll go through this whole life. Thinking that, that my attendance in church. And my giving in church. Was all I'm here to do. And work until I retire. And that's a good life. Mm, to some but you're settling because there's more to life than that God put us here to work for his kingdom he put us here because the Bible says we are ambassadors of him God needs a body to carry out his plan in the earth because in the, in the beginning he gave Adam and Eve dominion okay so God's not going to take that back so he needs willing vessels. So even though, and God will use a willing vessel <laughs> who's not even living right. Because why else would he not say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity? When they gave their resume and they said, well, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name. They did all, oh, yes, you did. Because I needed, I needed my will to be done at that particular time. 
and you was a willing participant. But it doesn't mean that you had a relationship with me. So people, you better wake up and make sure that your relationship with God is right. Okay? To the human eye, because you was faithful every Sunday in every Bible study, yeah, you look like you had a good relationship with God. But we don't see what you do in private. We don't see what you do when you're out of town. We don't see what you do in Vegas. <laughs> we don't see those things. We don't see those things of what you do, you know, at the family picnics and, and the family reunions, and you're supposed to be, you, and, and we profess to be a child of God. We're supposed to be imitators of God at all times. God is a jealous God, and you, don't, you do not want to make God jealous because he does not have all of you. God desires all of you. He is not a part-time God. God is not going to share you with the devil. All right. Let me move on. I got about 16 minutes. All right. Let's talk about the law of impartation. Um, the apostolic anointing is transferable, meaning that it can be transmitted from one person to another. So this is the law of impartation. Okay. We're talking about the Cornelius connection. We talked about that a few minutes ago and talking about... Um, Apostles should be, you know, pastors if you, if you want that dimension of apostolic flow to flow through the ministry. Or a pastor should be should be in some type of covenant relationship where they can lean on one another and and get some get some impartation from the from the apostles so the apostolic ministry of the church can can begin to blossom to the fullness of what it should be. So when God anoints someone, there is a measure of grace placed within that individual's life. So the individual then becomes a container or a, or a reservoir of the anointing. So the Lord desires to release. Thank you, Mama Jean. The Lord desires to release his anointing into the earth. So wherever and whenever the anointing flows, it brings blessings, miracles, and healing and deliverance. So yokes are destroyed and burdens are lifted because of the anointing. See Isaiah 10 and 7 on that one. 10 and 27, excuse me. Okay. When the anointing is present and it's flowing, it brings blessings, it brings healings, miracles, and deliverance. And yokes are destroyed and burdens are lifted because of anointing. So let's stop, let's stop, let's stop saying, oh, they can sing, they can sing, they're so anointed. But did any of these things happen? Did it cause you to surrender your life more to God? Because of how they sung, or did it just make you feel good and they're gifted and talented? Let's not say the pastor is anointed because he can hoop and holler, he can do all that stuff, but yet people are still remaining the same. Where's the anointing? Because the anointing brings about changes, it brings about a change. You see people that are healed, you see people that are delivered, you see people that are recovering. You see people who are in bondage to whatever addiction be set free. You see people who are homeless and now have their own business and they're striving. You'll see these things operating in the ministry. And these type of ministries don't talk about one another. They try to pull them up and they try to, and, and, and they, um, <laughs> they yoke themselves up to help bring them up. They're already beaten down. They're already tore down. Many, if I want, I want you, I want you to understand this. 
the people that we see that are strung out on drugs, whoremongers, whatever the case is, do you actually think that's what they want to be? Do you think that most people want to be divorced? That when they got married, they want to get a divorce? Do you think people people really want to lie, cheat, gossip? No, there's 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 some things inside of them. There's some there's some there's some deeper things, and this is just those are just the manifestations of something that that has been. Um, <clears throat> It's just manifestations of something deeper within them where they need healing. They need deliverance. Many of us are grown, been on our own for a long time, and yet we're still dealing with mama daddy issues. We're still blaming mama and daddy for why we are the way we are. Once we get a certain age, it's called accountability. And regardless if mama and daddy did the right thing or not, no parent is perfect. It's a lot of things I believe we all wish that we could, we would have done differently, would have had more knowledge of, so on and so forth. But our parents don't make us do the things and made us do the choices. Now, is could there be some residual effect from that? Yes. But when you find yourself in a in a what I call proclivities, which is a which is a habitual habit. That you that when you become your habit, so when we say, "Oh yeah, so and so is a crackhead," and that's how we identify them, that means they've done something. They've been on drugs for so long. That's who they are. Can I be blunt today? <laughs> when when we say so so and so is a hoe or a whore or whatever, why? Because that's that's what we know because that's what they do. So we identify them with the with the habitual sin that they've done, but that's not really who they are. God didn't create us like that. We were born into sin, and we be and we begin practicing things in this in this kingdom of darkness. So we were we were serving one kingdom before God snatches out as His elect, and so we change kingdoms. But when we first came into this world, even though we came from heaven in the spirit <laughs> manifest here in the earth, but we came through anything that's after the fall except for Jesus. Glory be to God, except for Jesus. But <laughs> we entered into this kingdom of darkness and we learned certain behaviors, certain sinful behaviors. Now you can have good morals and you can treat people right, everything else, but you're still in darkness until you accept Jesus Christ. Okay, and then two, we need to stop conforming God to us and we need to conform to God. We got to stop being so quick to justify the sinful things and the ungodly things that we want to do and still profess that we're his own. The Bible says that in God there is no darkness. Not one speck. So you can't say you represent him and you out here doing all forms of darkness. All forms of sin. Don't correlate. Amen. So.
Let me try to wrap this up here. The Lord has chosen to use many women as channels to release his anointing in the earth. Okay? You have a purpose. God woke you up today. You're watching me on, on these various forms of social media. You still have a purpose in the kingdom of God. So, it should be, Lord, what's my assignment today for your kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His kingdom. Set your heart on things above. Your mind on things above and not beneath. We don't have, first thing we should be doing, we shouldn't be worried about what we got to do today. We should be, okay, God, what is my assignment on the earth today? Hmm. Who do you want me to bless today? Bring people. Let me have encounters today that I can minister your word to. Let my light shine. See, because sometimes we're, we're quick to let people know that we're a child of God. Then after a while, they're watching us. They're watching what you say. They're watching what you do. They're watching your mannerisms. They watch they, what, what kind of music you listen to, what you're watching on TV. They're watching you. To see if you really are different from them. We have to represent God at all times. There is, you know, um, the New England Patriots say, um, the coach Belichick said, no days off. We can't take days off from God. What if he took a day off? What if he took an hour from us and took it and withheld his breath, his spirit from us? It would be mourning over your body. So why should we take time off from him? Even while we sleep, he never slumbers. But we want to take time out from God. All right. The word Christ is derived from the, from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. Christos in, in turn comes from the root, from the root verb creo, uh, C-H-R-I-O, which means to smear or rub with oil. So Jesus Christ is the anointed one. He operated in the spirit um, or an anointing without measure. And that's John 3 and 34. So while he ministered here on earth, the anointing flowed through him to bless the multitudes. Miracles and healings were common in his earthly ministry because of the anointing. So through the law of impartation, Christ transferred a measure of his anointing to the, to the disciples and sent them forth as apostles. That's Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. So they went forth and had similar results of, to those of Jesus because they ministered in a measure of his anointing. The Lord releases anointing into the earth through those he calls and sins. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and teachers are all called and sent by the Lord. They each have a dimension of Christ to impart to the church. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4 and 8. So in other words, when the Lord ascended, he divided his mantle into five parts. He gave his apostolic mantle to some, not all. He gave his prophetic mantle to some, not all. He gave his evangelistic mantle to some, not all. He gave his pastoral mantle to some, but not all. And he gave his teaching mantle to some, but not all. So each mantle carries a certain amount of grace. So Jesus had the spirit or the anointing without measure, but the ministry gifts are given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That's Ephesians 4 and 7. 
So the, so the apostle receives an apostolic measure, the prophet a prophetic measure, the evangelist an evangelistic measure, and so forth. So a measure means a limit or degree. So no one person carries all the anointing. Understand this. Not one person carries the full anointing of God. Different people carry different measures. Jesus measured the anointings and divided them among men and women. Okay? So, this is God's method of getting his anointing into the earth. The apostle had received an anointing to release because he has received a measure from Christ. The apostle can impart these to the saints. The saints then receive and are able to minister in an apostolic dimension. The apostolic anointing flows from Jesus through the apostles to the saints within the earth. The same is true for the other ministry gifts. Not just the apostle, but also to the other ministry gifts. Each anointing is a unique and serves as it serves a unique and important purpose, and each has certain characteristics, functions. So if the church receives all five dimensions by being exposed to anointing ministry gifts, it can manifest Christ to the world because Christ's fullness is seen through the five gifts combined. Five gifts combined. Okay? You can say three gifts combined, you can say two, all five. So each ministry is indispensable. So we need all five dimensions. In other words, every believer should be multi-dimensional. Okay? That's it for today. Amen. Tomorrow, well not tomorrow, Monday. If this is still the Lord's plan. We're going to talk about apostles and prophets. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? Sent to uphold the mission. There's some other things. We're going to talk about functions of a prophet. If you want to know those. So yeah, so everyone have a safe and blessed weekend, Amen. Show um, show some love, show God's love, agape love. Agape love is agape love is just loving people beyond their faults, because God loves us beyond our faults. Okay. If you can ever fully seek to comprehend the love that God has for you, you should definitely reciprocate that to someone else. Amen. My wife and I watched the movie and they had grace cards. You know, we should have grace cards and just give them a grace card. Grace card of forgiveness. Because we've been forgiven. Amen. He continued. God, God, was, God is so patient with us. He forgave us and we didn't even ask for it. In the, in the stench, the stinkiness of our life. And God will still God still favored us with his mercy. So I'm asking you to show mercy toward other people. From the choir stand to the to the front door, to the greeters, to your co-workers, to your bosses. Extend grace. Because grace has been extended to you. Today you had new mercies. You're not living on yesterday's mercies. You're not even living on tomorrow's. You're living on today's mercy that's been granted before you. So we praise God and I thank you for tuning in. If you like it, you enjoyed this, share it, share it, share it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.